Welcome to AIC Clinician Corner. I'm Dr. Renee Rosado. I'm Courtney Neustadt, clinical social worker. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be uh, kicking off the podcast with a conversation about a year in review. How have things progressed and changed or not changed during this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing? We're coming up on March of 2021, which is about one year since we experienced our world kind of shutting down from the coronavirus and how that's impacted uh, college students here at AIC and the campus community uh, and everyone who's been um, affected. Everyone has been in some way impacted by what's been going on. So I'm Dr. Renee Rosado. I'm Courtney Neustadt. And today we are joined by our intern, Jalisa. Jalisa, you wanna introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jalisa Marshall and I am an intern from Counseling Center this semester. And to talk about the different ways that we've all been affected this year and how, you know, self-care is really important, as well as understanding what's what's been happening these past couple of months, almost a year, and how it's made everyone feel. So I think the main thing that all of us have probably been hugely impacted by is how the restrictions to our daily movements have limited our ability to feel connected, connected to our peers, connected to just humans in general. It's shifted our family relationships. It's shifted all of our, like our romantic partners and even our friendships when we aren't able to be in close physical contact with the people that matter to us. That to me is like the number one thing that kind of jumps off the page at me about how we've all been impacted by this. Yeah, I agree. As like college students, I feel like one of the things that people look forward to the most is being able to connect with people in the dorm or play a sport and build that community. And to not be able to do that because of the restrictions on campus and in the world is just really, it's kind of depressing and sad and lonely. Yeah. Yeah. I would even add that the classroom experience has changed significantly. I mean, we are an institution of higher learning. So the the core of what we do is education. And I feel like, you know, you can learn a lot in a remote classroom. There's, there's a lot of information that can be shared. But from the world of psychology, we understand that learning is social. Like social learning theory is a huge foundational understanding of how we learn to be in the world. And even in the world of academics, how we learn information is often by watching others ask questions, watching them engage with the material, how they interact with other students in the classroom, have conversation, have discussion. And it's it's not just the classroom environment, but it's it's that sacred before class and after class transition and that building relationships with your either your faculty member or with the, your classmates, you know, people that you don't necessarily see all the time because maybe they're a commuter or maybe this is the only class that you share, but you happen to sit next to each other and have a side conversation just about the weather or about, oh, they're carrying a Starbucks coffee. So you strike up conversation about Starbucks and what your favorite flavor is. And suddenly a friendship can blossom from that. All of that is missing. Right. 
And I don't know that we're aware of that. That loss of connection or that increased loneliness or, you know, and we think about it a lot with like, we're discovering so many loss that, you know, students have, have come across, you know, especially with the loss of connection, the increased loneliness, the loss of just simple things as if you think about the freshmen who are coming in that might've lost out on graduations and proms or seniors that have graduated from college that lost graduation or that special week or something that they've done before they left to transition to the adult world, I guess you can say. But all those missing pieces and how do you build that connection? How do you fix that isolation when you're told to social distance, you're told that you can't be in close quarters with someone and then you're forced to have more alone time with yourself or maybe your family members or how do you deal with being in a home that may be supportive or may not be supportive. So it's a lot of adjustments that's happening. And, you know, there's a lot of students that may not know how to, how to cope with that or how to adjust with being home for so long or things not going back to normal. I think you bring up a great point, Jaleesa, about the being in the home environment and that for some people, the home environment is like a nurturing place and they feel supported and connected. And there's a lot of understanding about what is happening at this developmental period, the college life, how there are stressors that are, are beyond academic. Uh, but also there's some students that are in some not so supportive environments and there isn't an understanding of the stressors. And maybe they're a first-generation college student and they're, they don't have anybody nearby who they can ask questions about how do I get financial aid? Where, where do I go to look for a scholarship or a grant? You know, so it's like those, those core questions or who do I talk to about changing my major or should I take a leave of absence? Like all of those questions around, am I doing this right? Could I do this better? This isn't working for me. You know, where, who do they reach out to? And mm-hmm. if they're not reaching to a family member, you know, there are, of course, campus supports to provide those things, but they may not know who to go to, or maybe they don't even know the question to ask or that they should be asking a question. So yeah. I, I, mean, I would encourage students to reach out to their professional advisor. If they have an academic question, I encourage them to reach out to, uh, certainly they can reach out to us in the counseling center and we might be able, to, even if it's not a mental health issue, might be able to direct them where to go on campus and connect them with the right person in financial aid or in student accounts to help them sort out what the question even is. Yeah, that makes me think of also like, just having classes on campus, you could, you're could you walking past these departments and it's easier to just be like, oh, I have a random question. Instead of setting up an appointment, getting on the Zoom call, there's a lot more barriers to this world today. I'm also thinking of something that you said, Jalisa, about how do you build connections now? And I know at the beginning of this, Zoom was kind of exciting and people were like, oh, let's get on Zoom. Like you're connecting with high school friends when you're in college or people from across the country. Like it's, it brought us together a little bit, but now that we've been here for so long, people don't wanna be on Zoom. No. Zoom fatigue is real. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're forced to be on Zoom for either your classes or group projects or connecting even in the social way, then the last thing you want to do is set up extra Zoom connections. And, you know, that might be why you're not wanting to do telehealth right now, because you may have stuff you want to talk about, but the last thing you want to do is spend more time in front of your screen because it's, it's exhausting and it's hard. And even finding um, the privacy to want to say out loud some of these things, you know, when you could come and see us in person, you came to our office. It was kind of like, you know, this sanctuary where you could leave all of the hard stuff that you said out loud. And we're more than happy to hear it and, and create a space, hopefully that feels safe enough to share those things. So it's hard when you're like in the same space all the time to feel like there's any shift in that. And I can also think about the sense of anxiety that working on their computer, you know, they can't really go out, there's not much to do and it has to increase anxiety. Yeah. And- like, you know, how beneficial it is for them to notice the signs of anxiety and notice what's going on and kind of like working through that. The different gradations of like distress, right? Like d- discomfort, distress, and then mm-hmm. increasing to like a clinically significant level of anxiety where it's interfering with your, your day-to-day activities, right? Like if you're unable to sleep or you're unable to eat or you're so distraught and distracted by worry thoughts that you're unable to focus. I know I'm always encouraging students to sit at their desk when they're in class versus laying in their bed um, because you want your bed to kind of be your sacred sleep space. And I know in college, you know, it ends up being like your lounge space and your hangout space and like a lot of things. But now if you're taking your food back to your room and you're eating in your room and you're, I mean, you're basically living in a studio apartment. (laughs) How do you section the space to try and make it livable so that you have a place for taking your classes and studying and a place for relaxing and sleeping? Otherwise it just all kind of blurs into one, which I feel like is a lot of where everybody's feeling they're at. Students are, are probably feeling because like you said, they're in this like studio apartment in these, you know, four walls, they're seeing the four walls every day. They're so understanding that it's a, a continuum when you're thinking about mental health. So we're, we are all experiencing this level of isolation and distress, but is it clinically significant? Is it diagnostic, right? So, you know, trying to um, sort out the difference between having a a disorder or just the reality of the situation where we're all experiencing this stress and when to reach out to others for help, whether that's reaching out to your peers, reaching out to your friends and saying like, Hey, I'm just having a hard time. I need to connect. Right. That's very normal. That, that doesn't mean that you have a mental health problem. <laughs> it may mean that you could benefit from talking with a professional counselor. You don't have to have a significant mental health problem to talk to us. <laughs> We're just happy to, to be a human and to build connection. And if there is a significant mental health 
disorder, we're skilled to help people navigate that and come out the other side, whether that's through therapy or building specific coping strategies or even a referral for medication, which might be a, a short-term uh, option or solution to get you through a very difficult patch. I think some of the anxiety that we often over forget about because it's in our faces so much is just that we're scared of getting COVID or if you've gotten mm-hmm. it how that feels, or are you worried about your family? A lot of people have family members who are at high risk of, you know, getting severe symptoms. So not only is our world changed, but the stressor that is always looming is COVID. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point, Courtney, that it's like the elephant in the room that we don't talk about, right? Is that the reason that we are struggling so much right now is because there is this scary invisible thing that has been harming people and 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 many have died and yeah. yep. there's there's legitimate reason for us to be scared yeah. maybe maybe not necessarily for our own lives and well-being but the you know the lives of people who are at higher risk or the the losses that we do have in our friends I'm, at this point i'm sure that everybody has been personally touched by COVID, whether they've had it, they've know somebody who's had it, they know somebody who's had it and, and struggled significantly and come out of it or people who have actually died from it. And there's not really been a period of recovery yet. Like we're not through the storm. So there's not opportunity for us to come together and grieve in the ways that we need to or want to. There's less breaks, there's less time to kind of like check in with yourself or do the things that you used to do, whether it's like go away for a little bit or go for a walk. And so you still have those same demands, nothing's changing. And you're like, okay, now what? What what else can I do at this point? Yeah. I mean, when's the last time you could feel carefree about getting together with your friends and going to the movies or going out to dinner, having a few drinks or just relaxing and laughing together, right? Like when is the last time that happened? It's been a while. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. And I think the hard part about that as well is that the class load hasn't changed or the workload hasn't changed the demand of all of the programs is still the same, yet we're going through this in very different circumstances. And understanding that, you know, this is a crisis. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel all these things and anxious, depressed, and just allowing yourself to kind of feel the feelings that you're, you're feeling, if that makes sense, and not try to cover it. It is important. And you get into the matters of, you know, okay, there's this virus out here. I don't have any connection with with people. I'm feeling in isolation. So what can you control versus what you can't control? And I think that's really a big part of it because, you know, what can you control? You can control washing your hands. You can control you wearing your mask. You can control how you go to about, go about your day-to-day activities and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. But we cannot control everyone. We cannot, we can't focus on what everybody else is doing. We, we have no control over whether they're not taking this virus seriously. 
And I think it causes a lot of anxiety as well is that uncertainty and that unknown. I think we all just want it to get better and go away and go back to normal and, you know, do all the things that we used to do. And I'm sure many of you like me are tired of all of the precautions are tired of staying home, you know, getting a little bit of cabin fever. It's to me, it's especially hard in winter when it gets, you know, dark so early and it's so cold outside and there's not really any escape from the situation. And, and, uh, you know, uh, that idea of like, I want to go away. I want to just like go somewhere else just to get out of these four walls for a little while. But then, you know, the reality sets in of like, where would, where would I go? A, a different four walls <laughs> yeah. you know that I think I said giving permission to feel tired and overwhelmed and you know that that things just aren't quite getting better right now and not having a lot of motivation and maybe you're struggling to get out of bed and taking more naps or you know you finished Netflix <laughs> and now you're <laughs> getting close to finishing YouTube uh-oh <laughs> Yeah. And I think that comes with having more self-compassion Yeah, and compassionate with yourself, letting go of the unrealistic, real, you know, expectations that you have for yourself and just be kinder to yourself. Maybe take a break, take five, 10 minute break, understanding that if you didn't get something done today, it's okay if you get it done tomorrow. And it's okay to not be okay right now. Yeah. I think sometimes we well, it helps me to think about, you know, talking to myself as if I was talking to a young child, right? To, to be kind and reassuring and validating of whatever feelings are happening in the situation, right? Like not to dismiss my feelings or to use tough love on myself, but <laughs> to be, to be compassionate and to be loving because I'm the voice I hear most. I'm uh, not talking to myself kindly. Then how can I expect others to be kind to me? You got to love on yourself a little bit more. And I think there's actually some, some free resources that are out there. You know, I think a few apps around self-compassion and headspace is out there. The Calm app, definitely some free uh, YouTube self-guided meditations, loving kindness meditation, self-compassion mm-hmm. meditations. These are all keywords to search, to find free stuff out there that can really, it's just a few minutes a day or a few minutes when you're feeling particularly low to just follow along and do some deep breaths. You don't need a lot of equipment <laughs> or you don't have to go anywhere. It's something that you can put in your headphones and just, um, take a mental break. Taking care of ourselves during this time is really, can be kind of challenging, but so important. Well, taking care of ourselves in the best of times is challenging. Anything that we do to take care of ourselves probably falls off first when we're in times of stress. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people work out to burn off that extra energy. And certainly if you're an athlete, that's a huge part of conditioning and training. And for the most part, gyms and fitness centers are closed right now. So how are you still taking care of that and still finding that 
endorphin release and all of the natural chemicals to that are stimulated by working out. Where do you get that when you're in those same four walls? And where do you find the motivation to do it? Again, those environmental cues of, you know, how do you work out when you're not at the gym? You know, you're in your cozy sleep space, your little sanctuary. That's not the place where you want to start sweating. <laughs> we have to be a lot more creative now and which is hard when we're really tired and exhausted and sad. Another part to, you know, when we were talking about loss of like different things, where as far as school, graduation, adding the impact of this, the coronavirus on um, black and brown communities and how not only is there a lot of health disparities with the black and brown community, as well as like how much of an impact it's had as far as the amount of losses, um, as well as the police brutality that's been going on and all the social roar that has been going on and the injustices and how that added an extra layer to everything that's been going on. So it's extra healing extra way of kind of trying to navigate what's going on and not really having that break to focus just on the pandemic. So you can't just focus on the pandemic. You have to focus on all the social injustice that's going on. You have to focus on how it's hitting your community a lot harder and how to heal and cope through that. And also realizing that for some that normalcy is not as close as it may seem, that it's further away. And I think that those are different types of emotions that students may be feeling right now. It's different types of stress and kind of understanding that and, you know, trying to come from a place of like, how do we heal? How do we make this better? Because, you know, we're living in crazy times right now. And when you think of like another aspect of self-care, it's thinking about giving yourself permission to kind of unplug and regroup to everything that you're seeing on the TV and understanding that, you know, maybe sometimes you can't be there for others that you have to be there for yourself. Um, and just how to navigate those conversations, whether it's with family or friends and just trying to come together to come up with a solution. Like, what can you do? Like, what's your part in all of this? And understanding that you don't have to do it alone um, and that there are resources out there to help. Well, and there's also the, you know, our new assistant director of diversity education, Marissa Bell Santiago is going to be hosting a BIPOC healing circle and uh, wanting to explore some of these core issues and experiences specifically of folks who identify with the black and brown community and wanting to create space to share experiences as well as identify and grow that healing amongst each other and themselves as communities, as, as we move forward and finding ways to build each other up. And having a voice or being a voice for the voiceless, using that power of you have something important to say, you matter. Um, I think that's very important also, so. We just passed the anniversary of Trayvon Martin's birthday and the years of life that were stolen from him as a reminder 
of the unfairness that is in our society mm-hmm. and that we need to look at it. We need to take the time, you know, as a, as a, a person of white privilege, you know, that I cannot just turn a blind eye and that I have a responsibility in this to feel this pain, to feel the loss, to um, acknowledge and accept the ways in which I benefit from this society and that I, that I might have a role and own that in the ways that the color of my skin has never been the thing that held me back. And that I have to know that and own that and work really hard to make space and be an ally for those people who it is. And I like what you said about creating space because I feel like that's so important and realizing that some people don't have that space. They can't take up that space. We're going to have a future episode where uh, we are joined by Marissa Bella Santiago, who can speak more about the uh, healing circle that she plans to facilitate with ASA students. And, you know, so, so keep an eye out for that coming in the future. Certainly, if you're on campus or even if you're on off campus, if you're an AIC student, there are resources available to you to help you through this time and just your entire college experience. Of course, you know, we're, we're the counseling center and we're happy to provide any type of conversation or support that we can. It's easy to connect with us. You can send us an email, dexter.counseling at aic.edu, or you're also welcome to check out our webpage through the AIC portal. You can schedule appointments with us by logging into your patient portal with your student ID and your date of birth, and you can just hop in there and set up an appointment. You can also give us a, a call at the front office during our business hours, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. And that number is 413-205-3248, option number five for counseling services. But counseling services isn't the only option for resources on campus. You haven't explored the AIC Engage page, then that is your first stop. Go check out, see what's happening on campus. These are just about any event that's happening on campus is posted there from virtual events to in-person events. Not too many of those right now, but they will be there once things, I'm sure once the weather improves and we're able to be outside more, that's when they're going to show up. We did have plenty of fun things outside in the fall and they will come back once the weather's a little bit better. But there's a ton of virtual events. There's some cardio sport that you could get involved with, some yoga, certainly ways to connect with peers around uh, healthy relationships and self-care. Also, it doesn't have to be like therapy-ish stuff. There's a lot of fun events happening too. Go there, check it out, see what the options are, get signed up, try to connect with folks. I know it takes a lot of energy and nobody wants to be on Zoom, but see what's out there. There are other people who are feeling the way you're feeling and they want to connect too. I know it feels risky. You only need a few seconds of courage. Just click, sign in, show up, see what's going on. You can always leave. (laughs) That's true. It is important to be able to push yourself to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. It's scary, but it's worth it if you build that connection and build a friendship and someone to help you through this. I think we should go over our three takeaways for the podcast today. 
Renee, do you want to start with the first one? Sure, absolutely. I would say uh, number one is make an effort to build connections. That's, I know it's hard, but that's where you'll feel the most reward from your risk. So check out the Engage page, contact us at the Counseling Center, and we can help you navigate that if you have any questions or concerns, and people are out there. So building connections. Jalisa, what's our second takeaway? Our second takeaway is self-care, which is really important during these times and understanding that boundaries are self-care as well. So as they tell you that you can't from an empty cup, boundaries are looking like taking care of yourself first, that you're not responsible for things that are out of your control, creating that space for yourself to process what's going on, as well as maybe it's just a simple five-minute thing that you can do, maybe making some coffee, making some tea. Maybe it's going for a walk with a friend, social distance, of course. (laughs) Do five minutes of breathing, smile, dance, laugh. Humor is very important, especially during this time. Maybe it's something as taking a shower or going for a run or taking a nap, which is very important. (laughs) Something that you could do, something that makes you feel like yourself, makes you feel like there's a little bit of normalcy something that you love to do. So our second takeaway is that it's important to remember to to participate in self-care and prioritize yourself and feel those emotions. Our third takeaway is to remember that there is always hope that things will get better eventually and we as a community are resilient and we'll get through this together. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, follow us. And if you like what you heard, share with your friends and family. We'll see you next time.